Wood. Yes. Zellers. Yes. Aarons. Balde. Bidarsilov. Carter. Cheeks. Clear. Demar. Eskridge. Gruber. Hall. Harrington McKinney. Kemble. King. Palm. Fair. We have quorum. Quorum present. The council's in session. Alden Revere. Thank you, Mayor. Good evening. I move the customary motion to suspend the following rules. Uh, there would be suspension of rules 2.04, order of business 2.05, introduction of business 2.24, ordinances, and 2.25 resolutions for items so designated on the agenda. Is there a second? Motion and a second. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Item number one, uh, Alderman Bedard. Thank you, um, Mr. Mayor. Um, it is my pleasure to uh, make a motion to um, celebrate Madison's Colombian community and declaring July 20th, 2016 as Colombian Day in the city of Madison. A motion, is there a second? There is. And Discussion, Alderman Bedard. I would like to read um, this resolution. Whereas Colombians around the world commemorate and celebrate their declaration of independence from the Spanish monarchy, and whereas July 20th, 2016 marks the 206th anniversary of the Colombian Declaration of Independence, and whereas people in the city of Madison and across the world join Colombians in honoring those who fought to defend the freedom of their country and those who strive today for a life in peace and dignity, and whereas Colombians celebrate the richness of their culture, the biodiversity of their land, the resilience, passion, and happiness that characterizes their people, whereas the city of Madison values and cherishes the cultural diversity that Colombians bring to our community, now therefore be it resolved that the mayor and common council hereby recognize Wednesday, July 20th, 2016, as Colombian Day in the city of Madison and celebrate the Colombian community recognizing their independence and supporting their commemoration of freedom. And uh, we have a number of people here um, to receive it. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, the Council. This is a great opportunity to say thank you so much to Madison, to all Madisonians for receiving the Colombians. Thank you. I have a few words here in English, too. Hi, thank you, Common Council. Um, I have a um, few words here. Um, they're in Spanish, but I'm going to try to do a little bit of a side translation here. Um, on behalf of the Colombian and Latin community of the city of Madison, we want to thank for this opportunity to show our culture and diversity that we bring to the city of Madison. Madison is our city, a city of all, multicultural, welcoming, an example for the rest of the world. Colombians are also Madisonians. Coming from Colombia, not Colombia, we are South Americans that bring flavor, perseverance, and the typical happiness of our culture to the Wisconsin and Latin community. Colombians are human beings who are characterized for always smiling and making others smile 
and will we get your attention. Even though we've lived and were born among violence, we're able to smile to life. We learn to see the positive side of things and not to be scared. This is what we need in the United States to smile more. Our country has finally signed a treaty for peace and started a process of reconciliation. We lived the war that left more than 250,000 deaths and thousands of displaced in Colombia and outside Colombia. Today we want to celebrate and thank God and life for bringing us to this city and for all the opportunities that we have had and to be able to be part of this big family called Madison. We thank the Common Council of the City of Madison and especially Shiva Vidar for her support to our Colombian community. Likewise, we want to invite you all to participate in our events, ideas, and projects. Next Wednesday, July 20th, we want um, everyone who has visited our country and all uh, people from our country and our community in general to be with us at the um, um, peace vigil mm -hmm. that we're going to have and um, it will be to be discussed where we're going to have it and also we want to invite you to our Colombian Fest it will be on Sunday July 31st from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. at the Fireman's um, Park in Middleton. Oh, I'm sorry, to 8 p.m. <laughs> Not Sunday, 11 p.m., 8 p.m. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. This is a great opportunity for our community to show the Colombians in Madison. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Further discussion on the question? Seeing none on adoption. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Alderman Devere, did you want to take up item number 20 at this time? Indeed, Mayor. With that objection, I request that we uh, immediately proceed to consideration of agenda item number 20. Is there any objection? Seeing none, the rules are suspended. Alderman Revere. Thank you. I move adoption of a resolution designating that the Lake Rescue Boat of the City of Madison Fire Department Lake Rescue Team carry the name the Ralph E. Chamberlain II in honor of firefighter retired Ralph E. Chamberlain. There is a second. Alderman Revere, discussion. Thank you, Mayor. I would like the uh, um, honor of reading the resolution. Um, Retired Firefighter Chamberlain is with us tonight and would like to say a few words uh, upon my reading of the resolution. Uh, whereas the Madison Fire Department Lake Rescue Team is a vital part of emergency service delivery to the City of Madison since 1983, and whereas the members of the Madison Fire Department continue to provide quality lake rescue service to the City of Madison, and whereas firefighter retired Ralph E. Chamberlain served the City of Madison from January 1964 to May 1989, and whereas firefighter retired Ralph E. Chamberlain played a critical role in leadership and development of the Lake Rescue Team from its inception in 1983. And whereas the Mayor and Common Council of the City of Madison recognize 
the lake assault rescue boat as a vital tool to the current lake rescue team. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the lake rescue boat of the City of Madison Fire Department lake rescue team carry the name the Ralph E. Chamberlain II in honor of firefighter retired Ralph E. Chamberlain. And uh, Mr. Chamberlain? And he, he warned me he was hard of hearing. <laughs> uh, Mr. Chamberlain, you can move forward now. And, and as, as Mr. Chamberlain is moving forward, I would like to just um, mention, following his comments with the mayor, <laughs> I, would, I would just like to mention that, that uh, there will be a christening of the new, new Lake Rescue Boat this Saturday morning. And at that time, firefighter retired Chamberlain will be uh, participating in the christening. And at that time, we'll have an appropriate framed copy of our uh, adopted resolution to present uh, on, at the, on that occasion on Saturday. Uh, let me just also say it was my honor to be a sponsor of the first resolution naming the now decommissioned Lake Rescue Boat, the Ralphie Chamberlain. Uh, and and uh, so it's my honor again to do that tonight uh, in honor of Mr. Chamberlain. Uh, now we have our new and improved Lake Rescue Boat as part of our fleet. So with that, thank you for your service to our city, Mr. Chamberlain, and for allowing us to embarrass you once again with the honor of naming our Lake Rescue Boat after you. And if you would like to share a few words with us, we would appreciate that. Well, thank you. Uh, if you get a chance to see this boat, you should go see it. <clears throat> it's really special. With the crew that goes with it from the Madison Fire Department, these guys are so highly trained that I really believe that we may have the best lake rescue unit in the whole world, maybe in the whole United States anyway. I don't know about the rest of the world. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I think that it's worth going to go see. I only sit on the deck of it. It's got everything that a boat you could ever ask for, including side scan sonar, which can look at the bottom, and a lot of other things under the water. So anyway, thank you, everybody. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ralph. Mistaken. Is, the, is the boat still out front? Maybe we'll get done early enough that we can all go take a look at it while it's still daylight. Um, further discussion? Chief Davis might have another idea. I don't know. <laughs> they haven't had dinner yet tonight. So Cranky? Oh, well, okay. That's more important. Thanks, also, Chief. <laughs> also well, mention we, if, we, if we work fast enough. I'll mention too as Chief Davis is, is leaving that I can embarrass him a little and say for those that don't know that he was a, also an instrumental member of our Lake Rescue Team for many, many years before he assumed the position of Chief. So Great. thank you all for being here tonight. Congratulations. On the question, further discussion? Seeing none. Uh, Mike, before everybody leaves and before we take the final vote, should we go about introducing everybody who's here? Um, well, I'm, I'm Ralph White, Mayor 
Thank you. Nice to meet you. And Commissioner. He took over for me when I left. For about 20 years. I'm Melissa's daughter in law. Mike Champlin. Nice to meet you. Chief, thank you very much. Thank you all. Okay, on the question, adoption. Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Uh, it is 645. That takes us to public hearings. Um, no. Uh, very quickly. Is there any objection to receiving the petition in the clerk's office from the city of Madison to attach uh, MWU Old Sock parcel from the town of Middleton, the city of Madison? Seen. Uh, no objection. It is, the petition is so received and will be proceeded with accordingly. First public hearing. Declare a hearing open on item three. A new license doing business as Five Star Barbecue. The hearing's open. The recommendation of the council is to re-refer and have the hearing recessed to the ALRC. At this time, a motion would be in order to re-refer item number three. Alderman Revere. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong button. Thank you. Uh, I move to recess the public hearing and re-refer agenda item number three. Is there a second? second? Discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Item number four, declaring ho uh, declare hearing open for pizza Okay, Roma, 313 State Street. Uh, the recommendation counsels to grant. There are no registrations. Therefore, we will now close the public hearing. Uh, this time, I don't think it's necessary to take a... We can vote on a group of these in a moment. Uh, on item five, declare hearing open for Waikio doing business as the Ramen Kid on West Gilman Street. Yes, the hearing is open. The recommendation of council is to grant with conditions. There are no registrations. Declare the... Oh, wait, we do have a registration uh, from Aki Ishikawa supporting uh, but not wishing to speak. Any questions of the registrant? Seeing none, we'll close it and uh, go on to item number six, a public hearing for a new license for Paint Cafe LLC on Williamson Street. Hearing is open. The recommendation counsels to grant with conditions. There are no registrations. The hearing's closed. Declare a hearing open on number seven for Bonzo LLC, 1511 Williamson Street. There are no registrations. Recommendation of the counsels to grant. Close the hearing. Declare a hearing open on item 8 for the Ohio Tavern, 224 Ohio Avenue. <coughs> Recommendation councils to grant. There are no registrants, as we noted, and we will declare the hearing closed. Item 9, declare a hearing open for the Zor Schreiner's Enomans of Na, 575 Zor Shrine Place. Recommendation is to grant without any registrations. We'll declare the hearing closed. Item 9, KJM Bread LLC, 
doing business at Silly Yacht Bakery and Bread Barn. The hearing being open, we will note that the recommendation of the council is to grant. And since there are no registrants, we will close the hearing. Item 11 is the Dumpling House, 540 North Midvale Boulevard. Hearings open. The recommendation of the council is to grant. There are no registrants, so we will close the hearing. Item 12, declare a hearing open for SSP America, Inc., doing businesses in Cora Coffee Roasters, two locations. The hearing is open. The recommendation of the council is to grant. There are no registrations. We'll close the hearing. Knickerbocker Restaurant doing business as Verdant and Michael, is it Michael or Miko? Miko Polk. Hearing is open. The recommendation is to grant with conditions. There are no registrations. We'll declare the hearing close. Declare hearing open on 14, Divine Ordering, Orders Catering. Uh, the recommendation is we refer to Alcohol License Review Committee. So we will take our motion later on this item, and when it's adopted, it will be to re-refer along with the public hearing. Declare a hearing open on item 15. Uh, Ho-Chunk Nation doing business as Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. Recommendation of councils to grant. There is a registration from Jeff for Cluttern. Supporting, available to answer questions. Are there any questions of the registrant? Alderman Rommel? No? Oh, okay, we will do that. Uh, there's also a registration on this item from uh, Missy Tracy, supporting available answer questions. Seeing none, we will close this hearing and uh, move on to item 16. For Pace Car, doing business as Mr. Bruce Taphouse at High Crossing Boulevard. Yes, the hearing is open. Recommendation is to grant. There are no registrations, and so we will close the hearing. Alderman Revere, can we have a motion to adopt the recommendations on 4 through 6 and 8 through 16? I move to adopt the report of the Alcohol License Review Committee and its recommendations to grant, grant with conditions, and recess public hearing and refer, re-refer uh, as so noted on the agenda. And those items being 4 through 6 and 8 through 16? Correct. Separation on item 7. Yes, yeah, 7 will be taken separately. Further discussion? Seeing none. On the motion, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Alderman Rummel on item 7. On item 7, I would like to move um, an, an additional condition to the license. Let's get a, a motion to adopt first. Move to adopt the license. Thank you. Is there a second? Second. There is. And your motion, Alderman Rummel? Um, at your desk, I have um, a letter, an email from me to the applicant and his response saying that he would willingly agree to close, cease serving alcohol at 11 p.m. And so with that um, permission, I would move that the establishment will stop serving alcohol at 11 p.m. Is there a second to the amendment? Motion to second that the establishment will start will stop selling alcohol at 11 p.m. Discussion on the amendment to the conditions? 
Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. We now have the main motion as did before us. Discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Alderman Revere. Thank you. At this time, I move our so-called consent agenda. For those that are not familiar with our process, the motion will be to adopt uh, each of the recommended action listed for each item on our printed agenda, except those items which have registrants wishing to speak, of which we have none tonight. Two items which require an extraordinary roll call vote and are not included on the consent agenda by unanimous consent. And lastly, items which older persons have separated out for discussion or debate purposes. With that said, I move that we adopt uh, each of the recommendations as noted on the agenda with the following notes and uh, separations and exceptions, which are as follows. Uh, for agenda item number 89, unless there's objection, it will be assumed that an extra majority um, unanimous vote is cast for a resolution amending the 2016 Planning Division Operating Budget to authorize total conference expenditures to exceed $20,000 allocated in the 2016 Operating Budget and to accept private contributions and registration fees to be used to offset additional neighborhood conference expenses. Additionally, as part of this motion, I would like to note that for agenda item number 128, a new business for referral, an additional referral, and the lead referral will be the Madison Food Policy Committee. For agenda item number 130, a new business ordinance amendment for referral, there is technically a substitute that we are introducing and referring to the Alcohol License Review Committee as there were typographical errors uh, in what was originally entered in Legistar. For agenda item 145, authorize a resolution authorizing the mayor, police chief, and city clerk to sign a contract with Madison Metropolitan School District to provide educational research officers for the four MMSD high schools for a three-year term through the 2018 and 2019 school year. The sponsor of the resolution, the mayor, has requested that the resolution be withdrawn at this time and not introduced this evening, so the motion will assume that be the case. Those items that have at this point been excluded by colleagues are as follows. Agenda item number 98, a resolution conducting a review of the equity of health care costs charged to local government and public employees. Alderperson Eskridge has requested that separation. Agenda item number 99, a resolution authorizing the mayor and city clerk to execute an agreement to fund an $800,000 Madison Capital Revolving Fund loan to Sherman Plaza, Incorporated to assist RP's pasta company and its build-out of 28,000 square feet for commercial food production purposes and the goal of retaining 24 full-time equivalent jobs and creating 20 full-time equivalent jobs in five years in the former Coles grocery store located at 2901 North Sherman Avenue. And related agenda item number 100, authorizing the mayor and city clerk to execute an agreement to fund an $80,000 Madison Capital Revolving Fund loan to Sherman Plaza Incorporated to partially fund leasehold improvements to the former Coles Grocery Store located at 2901 North Sherman Avenue. Those two items were requested by the older person in that district, older person Palm. <laughs> Lastly, uh, 
Agenda item number 101, a resolution uh, accepting the recommendation of the Board of Estimates and the June 24th amended report of the Judge Doyle Square negotiating team authorizing the Mayor and City Clerk to execute the development agreement with Beitler Real Estate Services LLC for the Judge Doyle Square project and directing follow-up actions by the City as described and agreed to in the development agreement. That item has been requested for separation by Alderperson Aarons. Thank you. And there's a second. There is a second. Discussion? Seeing none, or Alderman Rommel. I um, like to add agenda item number 131, add additional referrals. It's on for introduction. I'd like to add referrals to EOC and, and the City County Housing um, Issues Committee. Is there any objection? Homeless Issues Committee. Is there any objection? Seeing none, it will be added to the motion. Alderman Clear? Uh, just a clarification on items 93 and 94 on what the recommendation is. My understanding from reading the agenda, 93 did not have a recommendation from Board of Estimates. And 94, the recommendation is referred to the budget process. I'm not sure procedurally exactly what that means. Uh, on 94, I can add that one. Uh, that one I can, I can answer, which is it will be incorporated when the 2017 budget is submitted and will be taken up at that time. So does that mean that it will be placed on file tonight or what happens? No, it just gets referred and we'll come back whenever we take, we, Board of Estimates takes up the 2017 uh, operating budget. Okay. Mr. May is <laughs> curling up his nose at that, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I just point out, I understand moving it into the budget, but at some point this actual legislature item has got to be taken care of, but I suggest we wait until we get into the budget process. Okay. All right, and then your question on 93. Right, 93, it looks like the, the our motion failed the Board of Estimates, so it comes with no recommendation. I'm just wondering what the action would be under the uh, consent agenda motion. If I could jump in here, um, my motion would assume that we would be placing that resolution on file. Correct. Okay, thank you. For the discussion, we can certainly yes. separate that. Alderman Gruber. Alderman. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I'd like to be noted as uh, recusing myself and abstaining on item 33, the Willie Street Fair, item 8687, Central Park Sessions, because I'm performing there, and also on item 55 and 56, uh, Pizza Hut. I'm an employee. Thank you. Sure enough. Alderman McKinney. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor, and I want to make sure that uh, I'm in sequence. Um, I noted that item number on page 28, uh, item number 93 and 94, there's an error. It says note recommendation action for 92. It should be 93. So uh, we need to make those connections when corrections when it's appropriate. It's, it's a typo, and it'll be yes. noted. Thank you. Further any other items? Okay. Once this motion is adopted, it means that the entire uh, calendar, with the exception of 98, 99, 100, and 101, will have been acted on pursuant to the recommendations contained in the uh, agenda and also noting any exceptions that were made in the subsequent discussion. Anything else? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. I oppose no. Motion carries. Uh, Alderman Brevere, could we have a motion or approval to move 98 
to follow item 101 so we can take care of um, 99, 100, 101, in which we have folks uh, registered. So, so moved. Is there a second procedural motion? Suspend to move it to the end of the agenda. On the question of suspension to move to the end of the agenda on 98, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Overwhelmingly, and I vote since there were no no's. Items 99 and 100, Alderman Palm. Yes, I would move approval with us as a substitute. Motion to approve a substitute. Is there is a second. Discussion is in order. I want to note that we have a registration from Peter Robertson supporting and available to answer questions. Alderman Palm? I just want to support it. Okay. Further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. I want to make sure we have 15 votes. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Thank you. And thank you. Item 101, Alderman Verveer. Move adoption. Is there a second? There is. Um, before we go any further, I want to note, it, note that we have a number of registrations um, supporting and wishing to speak. Excuse me, not wishing to speak. Um, Anthony, I can't read your last name. I'm sorry. Begins with an A because it's similar to the first letter of Anthony. Thank you. Dave Branson, Tim Deminter, Kevin Gunlock, Adam Gifford, all supporting, not wishing to speak. Um, would you like to proceed with a report from um, the negotiating team, or would you want to start with questions? I would recommend a report. So, starting Alderman Aarons? Well, that was my purpose in pulling it from the agenda, really, was to get a report. I feared okay. that we would be doing this on a consent agenda. And I think uh, everyone, because this has not been discussed, really, by the full council, I think this would give us an opportunity to hear from the negotiating team and other interested parties. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Austin? Thank you, Mayor. Good evening. Um, on April 19th, uh, the council acted uh, to uh, select Beitler Real Estate Services of Chicago to develop Judge Doyle Square and directed the negotiating team to initiate negotiations and to bring back through the Board of Estimates by June 27th and to this body by July 5th uh, a term sheet. Uh, we were able not only to develop the terms of the agreement, but actually develop the entire development agreement in its entirety through check-ins with the Board of Estimates over the last two months. And that is before you tonight. Uh, briefly, the development agreement would uh, lay out the terms of the relationship between the City of Madison and Beitler Real Estate Services. Uh, in terms of the development of the project, it is the project that you reviewed uh, at, and received uh, in updated fashion in January. Uh, with some amendments that were presented and discussed at the interview on March 9th before the um, elected officials. 
uh, and acted on on April 19th. Specifically in Block 88, behind the municipal building, there will be approximately 144 units of retail um, of uh, apartments plus about 33,400 square feet of retail and office at grade to form the private development on Block 88. On Block 105, which currently houses the government east ramp, an apartment element of approximately 210 apartments and a retail a commercial component of approximately 7,800 square feet and an urban mixed-use hotel element of not less than 250 rooms with approximately 164,000 square feet of floor area plus ancillary parking in both cases will be developed as the private development. There are no city funds, no tax incremental financing involved in any element of the private development. The public development, it consists of a replacement ramp to replace Government East. That replacement ramp would be built below grade on Block 88 behind the Madison Municipal Building and include a bike center as part of the 88 development. The financing for that portion of the project would come from parking utility reserves estimated at $13 million per previous discussions and understandings as this project has moved forward and an estimated $24 million of cash from uh, TID 25 uh, to complete the ramp. The private development will be built on leased property. The city will lease the property under commercial terms to Beitler Real Estate Services. Uh, there will be a 98-year lease with two 50-year extensions. You probably won't live to see that uh, in its entirety. But the rent will be, uh, uh, for the Block 88 parcel, 180000 annually. And for the Block 105 parcel com uh, uh, composed of the apartment component and the hotel component, a total of 550, uh, 575000 for a total rent on an annual basis of $755,000. Rent escalation will begin in the fifth year of the lease and, and escalate every five years from that point forward. Uh, the the uh, private development will pay property taxes and the, any debt that uh, will be incurred by the private development will be subordinate to the ground lease agreements between Beitler Real Estate Services and the city. The city will need to create and approve and record a two-lot certified survey map in Block 88 to allow for the public development closing to occur, probably approximately by May 1, which is described in the uh, timetable, which I believe is Exhibit C of the development agreement. Uh, the city and Beitler will each pursue independently the needed land use approvals for the respective developments for Blocks 88 and 105 following that master development schedule in Exhibit C of the contract. Uh, the city of Madison will be responsible for the design and engineering of the public ramp, including the bike center, and the preparation of bid documents, awarding of the contracts, and oversight of the construction process. So it will be essentially following a traditional public works uh, bidding process and award process that you use on other public works processes. You know, the master schedule calls for the ramp to be completed by November 30, 2018, uh, although the contract also includes uh, um, a desire to complete that ramp in advance of that date. And to that end, the city is contracting with Beitler Real Estate Services to provide pre-construction uh, and construction phase coordination with the city uh, which is described in Appendency uh, 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 Exhibit D. The, as I mentioned, all private development costs are the responsibility of Beitler. Um, the closing of the uh, financing on the first development element must occur within 24 months of the completion of the city ramp, and there are provisions in the agreement relative to the termination should those requirements not be met. 
The agreement also calls for the hotel uh, advanced by Beitler uh, to uh, the operator and the brand and the room block agreement uh, are specified to come back before this body for review and approval by resolution of the council prior to the private development closing. So we've not given away anything there without your, your approval of those terms and conditions as we move forward. Um, in addition, um, no later than the um, um, approval of the, of the uh, success of the, uh, the hotel operator or its successor in interest, um, uh, Beitler will have, uh, agrees, has agreed to enter into good faith negotiations for a labor peace agreement with a labor organization that, is va that validly represents hotel and employees and seeks to represent the Block 105 hotel workers. So that is a good faith clause that they have agreed to. They have also agreed to apply, um, uh, have the, the private development uh, general contractor be responsible for all organized labor agreements in accordance with customary practices in the Madison market. Um, prior to the private development occurring, the city must complete the public ramp, deliver to Beitler environmental reports, and, re and follow-up testing covering the entire property, uh, Beitler must execute the ground leases, receive the land use approvals for each private development element, and receive approval of each element of the Block 105 hotel uh, development, as I described a moment ago. Um, and I would only add as a footnote that uh, we were able to proceed on a timely basis through this negotiation um, and feel that uh, what we brought to you represents uh, our good faith efforts to bring you what you wanted from the Judgeville development. And uh, hopefully, uh, if you have any questions, we're pleased to take them tonight. Thank you. Questions? Discussion? Alderman Aarons. Follow-up question, Mr. Horston. Um, uh, it's been discussed before that the, the price tag on the public parking is $63,000 and is really high compared to um, similar projects, both current and historical. You previously said that it's likely to be much lower than that, perhaps in the range of what the current cost of uh, of these projects of thirty-five or forty thousand dollars per space. If that's the case, where where does the financing? If it's thirteen million dollars from the, the parking utility and some additional amount covered by TID 25, who puts the money in? And who goes in first and uh, you see what I'm trying to who, get, who goes in first and then what of TID 25 is expended? Or is the parking utility yeah, for either, either Mr. Schmidt or uh, Mr. Schmidt? Uh, so throughout the process of, um, of the Judge Doyle Square development, it's been, I think, a, a clear assumption that the parking utility reserves contribution would be equivalent to the cost of constructing, designing and constructing an above-ground ramp. 
and that's the $13 million. So that will remain fixed regardless of how much the overall cost of the underground ramp will be. So any sort of difference in um, cost compared to the estimate that the developer provided with what we actually get in terms of bids will really be seen in how much TID 25 contributes uh, to the cost of building the underground ramp. Just a follow-up, um, if I can. Um, so if uh, the ramp turns out to be a $25 million cost as opposed to a $35 million cost, a $39 million cost, what what becomes of the remaining TID that's unspent of TID 25? Well, we wouldn't spend those dollars, and then you have the opportunity to close the TID sooner as long as we get to that target amount that we've um, agreed to with the school district in terms of having that roughly $19 million balance at closure so the school district gets roughly the $9.3 million. Okay, thank you. Further questions on this, this matter? Further questions? Seeing none, discussion. Discussion on the question. Seeing none, we'll come to a vote. All the rumble. We can't let this go by without saying something because <laughs> I'm sorry. When I got elected in 2007, we started talking about this, and I am. Um, I was never really a supporter of this um, redevelopment until this time, which I told the team and my fellow BOE members. I think it kind of gets at sort of a more cautious approach to the redevelopment, but kind of kind of iconic and exciting. And um, I just wanted to say it out loud. It used to be part of my district, gave it up with redistricting to Alder Revere, so he can probably close out and say a lot more. But I just want to thank everybody. I think hopefully we got to the project that will get built. Further discussion on the question, Aldrin Aarons. I don't know whether. Yes. Okay. Well, while I have the floor, let me just uh, say that um, I uh, think that we've come a long way from the previous projects, uh, without getting into the details of it. Uh, and not only is this um, uh, not. Not only is this better because those were problematic uh, for different reasons, but uh, this is just, I think, a good project. I think uh, once the public uh, sees the design and becomes used to something that's different uh, downtown, I think it will add a lot. I think it will gain public approval. Uh, the the uh, fact that we're... Um, not financially uh, engaged uh, with a private developer uh, and that uh, they take their own risks and we take ours, I think that that's uh, important to the public and uh, I think this uh, deserves a, uh, a very strong affirmative vote. Thank you. Alderman Cheeks. This has been a project that uh, the public uh, followed really closely for a long time and I think it's really fascinating that uh, that we have no uh, public testimony today. I think that's a testament to the tremendous uh, work that our negotiating team did to, to bring forward something that met the standards and expectations of this council. Um, and so I want to thank the negotiating team for their hard work on that. Um, hopefully this goes down as um, 
another uh, one of the things that uh, Mr. Austin can be very proud of in his storied career of building phenomenal things in the city. Um, <clears throat> I think it's a it's a great thing for our constituents that we find ourselves in a situation where we're able to reflect on this um, as a momentous development that um, that we were able to to um, uh, do without public input, without public um, spending. Not without public input. That was certainly not what I meant. We we still have had plenty of public input. Uh, this did not go without public input. But without you know the public investment into a, a private development, I think it's always great when we can negotiate a win-win scenario. Uh, so hopefully this will be something that, uh, of course, there will be more decisions to come. Um, uh, but this is cool. It feels good to get good work done. So thanks everybody. Oliver Revere. Thank you. Perhaps predictable, and I'm sorry I was having a sidebar conversation when you earlier uh, called for speakers, Mayor. Uh, anyway, let me just say that perhaps I should quit while I'm ahead, and if this motion has the older person Aaron's seal of approval, <laughs> I should probably shut up while I'm ahead, considering considering that that um, my my friend has clearly been the conscience of the council on this project uh, ever since he stepped foot uh, in the council chamber as a member uh, and I appreciate his good work you know, sincerely for, for asking all the tough critical questions over the years um, obviously I'm, I'm very um, relieved that we're at this point tonight uh, and I want to heartily um, add my words publicly um, thanking our negotiating team for a job well done and for all of their uh, tireless efforts over the many years that's gotten us to uh, a vote this evening. Um, you know, they have been steadfast. The negotiating team has, has changed its membership somewhat over the years, but George Austin has always been uh, a fearless leader uh, and has helped guide this ship. Uh, and there clearly is um, uh, light at the end of the tunnel tonight that we can all be uh, relieved and, frankly, excited about. Uh, as I said at the Board of Estimates, and for those that don't know, our, our partners are here in the gallery tonight from Chicago. But as I said at the last Board of Estimates meeting, uh, I do too also want to thank our new partners in the Spitler Real Estate Services um, for, for equally being excited about working with us on these two prime blocks of downtown real estate. And I want to, um, you know, very much say that we all feel very strongly, um, Mr. Beitler, and so Paul Beitler and his team are here tonight, that, that I want to say clearly to, to Paul and his team uh, that some of the specifics that we don't see tonight we, we feel very strongly about. And as I said, a board of estimates, first and foremost for many of us, includes uh, uh, how we treat the Employees that will be working on the construction uh, of Judge Doyle Square and those that will be working there then long term once Judge Doyle Square uh, is open and operating. Uh, we have many representatives of organized labor here tonight. Uh, they chose to, to be supportive uh, of the project, although for many of them I think there's a bit of a wait-and-see attitude. Uh, and a trust me um, that, that we have conveyed to them, and we hope that we don't disappoint them. And, and Mr. Beitler has given his assurances to us publicly and privately over the last many months 
that he does care deeply himself about the employees that will be working on this project both during construction and once it is open. Um, so whether it's a project labor agreement for the building trades, a labor peace agreement for the hotel employees and others that will be working uh, in the development once it opens, whether it's uh, minor minority hiring and mentorship along the way both during construction and once the facility, namely the hotel, opens, um, we really um, hope that we will see um, very strong commitment um, as we move forward together in this partnership over the next few years. Uh, so in closing, uh, I'm as excited as anybody here tonight uh, that we have made this progress and that we will see a groundbreaking um, early, very early hopefully in the new year. So thanks for all that got us to this point tonight. Thank you. Alderman Dumar. Um, thank you, Alderman Revere. I want to echo what you've said. I also want to thank the negotiating team. I also want to thank the alders that put a ton of hours into this over many, many years. And um, I know over my three years on council, I put a lot of time into this project, and I know a lot of people have, so thank you. And I want to say thank you for being resolute and brave enough to say no. Because I know it's disappointing. It was disappointing to the public. It was disappointing to us to not move forward when many people wanted us to. And it got us to a really good place with a amazing project that is truly going to... Um, make downtown look different. So I'm very excited about it, and um, I guess that's enough. Thank you. Further discussion? Seeing none, we'll come to a vote. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Sounds unanimous. Congratulations. Uh, no outbursts. Uh, that takes us to item 98. Alderman Revere. Thank you. I move adoption. Is there a second? There is. Um, Alderman Revere, would you please take the chair? Happy to. Alderman King. So I think first me and then Shiva. But um, because I work in, I'm a system leader in the healthcare industry, I'll be recusing myself. And on the advice of the attorney, who, uh, city attorney who cautioned against eye rolling and um, neighbor conversations, I will be following protocol and exiting the room. Thank you. Alderman Budar. Um, thank you, Mr. Chair. I will be recusing myself and wishing you all a very good evening. is uh, a motion to adopt agenda item number 98, a resolution conducting a review of the equity of health care costs charged to local government and public employees. And the sponsor of the resolution, uh, the mayor, would like to address us to start off our discussion. Mr. Mayor. Thank you. 
Let me please give some framework to this discussion and uh, what is, what is uh, the purpose. If you go back over the history of the relationship of the federal government to the state of Wisconsin, certainly since people have tracked these matters at the end of World War II, Wisconsin has always been, if not the lowest, and in many years we were, one of the lowest states in terms of the imbalance of taxes paid to the federal government and federal dollars coming back into the state of Wisconsin. There are many, many ways in which this is measured. Uh, one of the largest and most significant is the fact that we have relatively few military bases in the state. That then means also we have relatively few defense industries and defense contracts. It shows up in Department of Transportation allocations. It shows up in formulas for housing and community development. And we can go on and on with all the various functions of the federal government. That's why in the 1980s, when I was watching an edition of 60 Minutes, I was struck by a presentation that they made at the time looking at the allocation for federal dollars on Medicare and the fact that throughout the United States there were wide fluctuations and variations. There was no real discussion in that 60 Minutes presentation about those payments from the federal government for Medicare relative to private payments, but it did show that there were significant variations that they did not correlate to the cost of health care in those respective states, but it seemed to have something to do with political influence. And a great deal of the show of the of the, the story focused on the state of Florida with its extraordinarily high number of retirees and the fact that payments in Florida were relatively high compared to other states uh, in, the, in our nation. A couple years ago, I had an opportunity, a year and a half ago, I had an opportunity to listen to a presentation from Professor Zachary Cooper of the Yale School of Management on a study he had done looking at not just the federal payments on Medicare, but also the comparison to what was paid for the same procedure by private insurers. And there were, as you might guess, four combinations of permutations uh, where you would have high Medicare and high private payments, low Medicare, low private payments, high Medicare, low private, and low Medicare, high private. And in fact, we were, Madison, Wisconsin, on the basis of the data he had was in the latter group. Now, it seemed to me that there was a question here as to why this was going on. And did it have other ramifications for health care within our community? 
one of the things that I noted was that this was a subject frequently studied by academicians, but they rarely got involved on the political end of the discussion in terms of working with those who might affect public policy in, in this area. When the study came out, it was criticized uh, and continues to be criticized because of relatively small samples and uh, also particularly in terms of Madison, Wisconsin, uh, the fact that the sample is, is a small percentage of the total charges as is, should be evident in a letter that you received today uh, which was sent by Jonathan Jaffrey of the UW Health Center Population Office. Uh, he is that health officer. Let me mention parenthetically, um, we're now working on setting up an appointment with him and uh, one other member of the uh, faculty of the, uh, of, of the uh, UW uh, School of Medicine to, to further discuss this. But in any case, even if we disagree with the aggregation of the private data that he has submitted, we are still faced with two very relevant and salient items. The first is that there is this wide variety and discrepancy of payments for the same procedures around the country. That's not disputed. Now, it may be political influence that affects those payments. It may be logic based on some formula uh, related to wealth of a community and poverty, as it's been suggested. It may have little to do with the ability of individual hospitals or regional groups of hospitals in a state to influence the decisions. But in any case, there is this disparity. Now, even if we challenge Professor Cooper's data regarding the payments in the sample that he used, we still have, and you have it before you and it's been sent to you in an email, we still have the University of Wisconsin Hospital and Clinic's own documentation of these variances, and they are significant. If you look at the hard copy of, 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 of what you've been provided, I would suggest going to note number two at the top. In most cases, Medicare payments are less than UW Hospital's cost of providing the care. Now, if you follow with me to the rest of the basis of the document, there are three columns. The first column, which is the highest amount, for each procedure is the median charge. 
this is in effect what is billed. And if you've looked at your own doctor's or medical bills, your own dental bills, and you study the payment schedule, you'll see an amount that was submitted by the provider, which is always the highest on the page. And then you'll find a second amount, which is the amount that is allowed, which is lower than the submitted charge. And then you'll find two more items, which is how much your insurer is paying and how much you pay. And when, when the insured amount plus yours does not cover the entire amount charged, they don't come after you for the difference. And the reason is that there is this agreement between the insureds and the providers as to recognizing the amount to be paid rather than what is charged. As someone in the profession said to me recently, that median charge column, that charge that goes on, is really more like the sticker price on an automobile. Nobody pays it, at least no one in their right mind. And then what happens is there's a negotiation and it's then a lower amount that's paid. The middle column, private insurance, is what the private insurance company will pay for the procedure. The third column is what Medicare pays for the same procedure. What we are missing, and we will probably never see, is the important fourth column. What is the cost of providing the procedure? But if we take note two at the column at the top, in most cases Medicare payments are less than UW hospital costs for providing the care, we can assume that the cost of the procedure is higher than what is in the Medicare column and it's lower than the private insurance column. So let's just look at one case for an example. Um, one of the ever popular uh, procedures, number seven, uh, a hip replacement. A hip replacement will be charged out as a median price at $42,327. The private insurance payment is $24,126. A similar patient, but a Medicare patient, will result in not a payment of $24,126, but a payment of 13968 almost half of what the private insurer will be paying. And if this is one of the procedures where the payment is less than providing the care, we can probably safely assume that the charge for the procedure is somewhere greater than 14000 and less than $24,000. Why is this important? Well, it's important as a question of equity and fairness. It's important as a question of whether or not in some way 
we may be subsidizing, in effect, the federal government. Or simply that we are depriving those, or not depriving, but we are not witnessing the amount of federal dollars that come, should come into Madison, Wisconsin from the federal government to pay for these Medicare charges. Now, if you look at the July 5th letter from today from uh, Dr. Jaffrey, I want to draw your attention to the third paragraph, third sentence. While it's true that the private market subsidizes the underpayment of services by Medicare, which has been the case for decades, it would be incorrect to conclude that the price point data, that's the sheet that you've been provided, supports the conclusion of the Yale paper that there is, in effect, what he goes on to say, cost shifting. Well, there may not be cost shifting, but we still have subsidization, which is coming out of our pockets. At the top of the second page, in the next paragraph, and I'll jump through this paragraph, one of the possible solutions mentioned is that health systems need to negotiate better payments from Medicare. The federal government uses a complex formula. Although these payments frequently do not cover costs, there is no negotiating with individual hospitals or systems. We have and will continue to engage our federal legislators to support increasing the amount the federal government pays for health care. We welcome others, including the city of Madison, to join us in this work. This principal focus is not about reducing our health care costs as a city, as an employer, as the insurers. The focus is to get to the bottom of this challenge, which may, which could lead to those reductions. And I believe we'd be remiss to the people we serve, our responsibility as to administering this government, if we did not look into this. The initial stage is not an enormous burden. The amount of hours that would go into this, the time spent, especially compared to some of our misadventures, and given the possible reward, could be significant. We'd like to see if there's other cities who've looked at this issue, what they have concluded. We certainly think that the primary responsibility is with the state government, who ought to be looking out for all of Wisconsin on this matter. And perhaps by pursuing this, we can motivate the state government to look out for our interests. We know that we have at least one U.S. Senator who is keenly interested in this subject. And perhaps some of you can figure out a way of garnering the interest of the other one. The introduction of this matter has already gathered the interest of the insurance companies and of the hospitals in the area. 
think this has to be a contentious matter, but it does involve greater collaboration. And one thing I can't answer, a question that I have right off the top, is what happens if local health care providers, local insurers, and local governments, along with hopefully a state government, take this matter as a team and go to the federal government and get an explanation as to how the payments that appear in that third column, Medicare, are actually calculated and formulated for the state of Wisconsin. A little bit of sunshine never hurt the public interest. I'll be glad to answer any questions you may have about the resolution. Thank you. Are there any questions of the mayor at this time? Alder Person Gruber. Um, I thank you, uh, Alder Revere. I'm just you haven't really addressed the issue, and so I'd like to give you the opportunity. The the, the difference between what you've offered and and the alternate, which is not before us at this time, I understand, but. Um, it seems to me that they're similar, but they get at different purposes. Thank you. I believe that there is another broader issue that we need to challenge, that's challenging us as a community, and that is the larger issue of the overall cost of our health care system. We've got additional discussions taking place in that vein. Um, there are major questions about the role of the state, about our role in being in the state insurance pool, about discussions with the county as to whether or not we ought to go to some form of self-insurance, what kind of collaboration we can have with the hospitals and the other health care providers. And I believe that is a different subject. What this resolution addresses and the the, the one that may come in as a substitute does not do is get to this fundamental issue about how Medicare payments are formulated, particularly for us in Wisconsin and in the Madison area. That's the focus of this. The resolution was not designed to take us at this time into the larger question of the overall challenge of health care costs. Thank you. Further questions of the mayor at this time? Seeing none, then thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Further discussion? Alderperson Eskridge. Thank you. Um, and thank you, Alder Gruber, for bringing up. So I communicated with you all yesterday, and I will be brief because I did lay out my um, my vote against this pretty clearly at Board of Estimates, and so I just will be voting against it again tonight. Um, essentially, it comes down to the fact that we face many, many issues as a city, um, as a local governing body, and we unfortunately have to choose which issues we take on and which issues we don't take on. And to me, this is a very clear example of an issue that is not ours to take on right now, the issue that the mayor framed. Uh, because we have to we have to prioritize and so while the mayor and I we've communicated um, about this issue and while we definitely do not uh, disagree that there's an issue around health care costs and reimbursement rates uh, we do disagree on 
by whom and how this issue should be addressed. So as I noted, this is an issue, the, the issue of Medicare payments is an issue I believe that should be addressed by the federal and state government and is being addressed by the federal and state government. I spent the day reading a new federal rule out of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services that increases transparency and costs in Medicare by sharing with qualified entities like we have at the Wisconsin Health Information Organization, WIO, uh, is a qualified entity that publish, publishes Medicare rates. Um, Medicare rates are changing. They're incredibly complex, um, but the healthcare environment is, as a whole is changing because we can't just keep paying more for healthcare, and we realize that in the healthcare um, and health policy field, and that's why there are so many innovators in this field right now trying to control healthcare costs to make sure that we're paying for the right things. So, so I agree that that is a, a very challenging and dynamic issue that needs to be addressed, but I don't think that the resolution that the mayor introduced that's before us this evening um, is, is going to adequately propose any um, radically different solutions to that problem that we are uniquely positioned to address as the city of Madison. So. In lieu of just saying we shouldn't vote for this resolution, I proposed an alternative resolution that gets at something that I do believe that we can address as a city here in Madison, which is the issue of what we pay for health insurance costs as an employer. And in order to do that, because this is such a challenging issue, I propose that we get more information. And that may take time, and the mayor already hinted at the fact that it, too, is a changing area, and we might have a lot of different solutions. I think we received comments from people today proposing some potential policy options that we should look at because there are both academicians in this field, but there are also policy experts um, that are making changes in how we pay for health care that we can use here locally to help inform us about our market here in Dane County. So um, I, I won't say much more except that I hope you will support um, my alternate motion and not support the original resolution that's before us this evening because I do think we need to prioritize where we spend our time and energy as a council and we should prioritize what we can make a difference on and I believe that is our responsibility as an employer to um, and a, a steward of tax dollars to provide the best quality uh, insurance for our employees at the best cost for our taxpayers and we can start to solve that issue so I think that's the issue that we should focus on. And I'm happy to take any questions. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, unless there's an interest in asking questions of a colleague through the chair, uh, at this point there are two uh, older persons in the queue. So next will be older person Cheeks to be followed by older person Aarons. <clears throat> Since we don't have anything in front of us yet, I'd like to move the alternate uh, on your desk titled Requesting a Briefing on Healthcare Costs Charged to Local Governments and Public Employees in Dane County. It's been moved and seconded to move the alternate. Uh, older person Cheeks, you wish to speak to that? Uh, I appreciate my uh, colleague Alder Eskrich for introducing this um, as, a, as a step in the right direction for uh, trying to build a, a deeper understanding and, and control costs on behalf of our constituents. So I think this was prudent. Thank you. Thank you. Alder Person Aarons. I too would like to uh, uh, thank uh, Alder Eskrich for uh, taking the time to uh, uh, look into the issue of this base study um, that uh, was published in the Times as well as uh, developing the, um, this 
very much more modest resolution. Um, the uh, target about uh, what it is that we're going to do in the in the first re in the first resolution, uh, authored by the mayor, keeps changing. In the uh, actual resolution, it says that we'll convene a study. Uh, of senior staff will get assistance from outside research and legal expertise and so on and so forth and um, and we'll I guess um, uh, lobby and develop a multi-city force to uh, change Medicare rates and so on uh, but now in response to Alder Gruber's uh, question it seems that the the goal has shrunk enormously, and what uh, the last thing that was said uh, was that we should find out why Medicare pays what they do. And I think that's very doable. Uh, as uh, Alda Estrick said, uh, there is guidance uh, regularly published. There are state and national health care organizations which are well developed to give those explanations. We may not agree with them. We may disagree with the factors, but they are uh, explanations. Um, uh, and they're not without reason. Um, but I think the alternate resolution, which really addresses directly um, what our situation is, is much more modest, doable, and I might add, much less expensive. Uh, once we go down the road of bringing in outside experts on this and legal expertise, um, we are going down a very long and expensive road. The issue of how health care is financed by private insurers, by individuals, by Medicare, Medicaid, VA, and on and on and on has been a subject of study for decades. As the mayor noted at the outset, he saw a 60 Minutes report from 20, 30 years ago about disparities in Medicare financing. Well, that was old news then um, because it, it started really in 1964 when Medicare was passed. So this is a 50-year-old issue. And I think that if we did find it within our means and wherewithal to establish a lobbying effort uh, to change these Medicare financing, let alone Medicaid financing, which is much more deficient, um, we would follow, follow in the footsteps of every union, every trade association, probably the National League of Cities, every state government who regularly go to the capital, the U.S. capital, and say, we don't want to subsidize Medicare and Medicaid with high private insurance payments. And where they ask for an explanation as to why this is the case, the explanation is we, the federal government, don't want to pay. We can't pay, so you pay. And for 50 years, that has more or less been the response. And if anything, it's going to be 
more so because the federal government does not want to continue the road of escalating Medicare and MA payments. So all that's uh, a long story about this, but I think this is something which, uh, as was noted, is not a battle. It's we're being treated, quote, unfairly and so on, but it is not a battle that at this point uh, we can reasonably take on if we want to review uh, our health care scheme and whether it's self-insurance or not self-insurance or we pool with Dane County or the state health insurance fund, that's a different question. But going down the road of why is the world the way that it is in terms of health care payments is um, it's a very, very you know, deep tunnel that will wind up spending tons of money on consultants to find out very little. Thank you. Mayor Soglin, followed by Alderperson Kemble. I'll, I'll, I'll take responsibility for what I say, but don't miscast what I say to meet and fit your own convenience. There's no bill in here for hiring lawyers or consultants. One of the things we want to know is what would that cost? Now, let's be blunt about what's going on here because we're turning the world upside down. This resolution is very limited. Now, you want to do the substitute, I will gladly do it. But let's do it right. And let's not frame this as a deception. You've got city staff and a mayor who've been working on our cost of health insurance for several years now. This resolution came in a month ago. I checked my email yesterday afternoon. I checked it again last night before I had dinner. This resolution shows up on my email this morning, the day that we're going to adopt it. Where's the input from HR, from Brad Wirtz and the staff that's been working on this for years through multiple administrations? Where's the input in drafting this resolution from the finance director? Where's the input from the mayor's office? which has been putting time and effort into this. You want to do a study on health care costs within our operable system. Let's draft that resolution and let's get it right. And let's not deceive that that is going to be a smaller work than the resolution that was, that was originally introduced. Looking into the entire system of health care in our community is far larger than making the kind of inquiries that are in the resolution that was originally introduced. What kind of game is going on here? How silly do you think the public is to think that one small aspect that contributes to the cost is more costly and more time-consuming to learn about 
than the entire health care system. I'm missing something. I really don't understand what the motivation is to kill this particular resolution and introduce it with something that wasn't sent into any of the staff offices that deal with this or any of the committees that deal with it. Something's going on here. Tell me what it is. Thank you. Alderperson Kimball to be followed by Alderperson McKinney. Thank you. Um, and thank you both Mayor and Alder Eskridge for the various um, resolutions you've drafted. I see these as um, this alternate as having a different purpose than the original one. And I think both purposes are valid. And I would vote for the alternate if it was a separate resolution and not an alternate to the first resolution. Um, I think it's totally legitimate for us as a city to um, engage in larger lobbying efforts with the federal government. And I think if we're going to do that, we do need to be better informed. Um, there, the original resolution could perhaps have been a little bit more clear in the scope of the resources that um, are going to be required, but I guess part of that original resolution says study what will be required. So I won't be voting for the alternate, and if it doesn't pass, I hope that you bring it back as a separate resolution. Um, working with other members of the administration because it's re it's really important. So thank you. Thank you, Alderperson McKinney. Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. Um, uh, I've been sitting here really looking at um, we have two sides of the coin, but really it is the same thing. Um, Health care costs are out of the roof. But the second part of it is, so both resolutions, actually, as someone said, has great value in it. And um, when uh, my colleague talked about uh, city priorities and the mayor asked about what games we are playing, is that um, I was pretty much dumbfounded because there is absolutely no way that we can go down this road with some kind of eventual, eventual price tag associated with it. I mean, right now we're in a discussion phase of it, but ultimately there is going to be some price assessment to it. And so my question I asked my colleague, can this be referred? So the, I like the educational component of it, and I also like what um, Alder Rummel said in the Board of Estimates is that um, we don't get anything if we don't ask. And so is there a way, and this is an ask, and I have absolutely no way of knowing if this is in order or not, is, is that we've got two very different proposals, but we're asking the same thing, is that how can we as a city collaborate with those entities that are already doing this and bringing together some advocacy around that. And so you've got two separate pieces. Is there any way that these two um, entities can be together? And so what the mayor said is that uh, we've had no public input. Well, 
we voted on some other things that have no public input as well, so I need to put that out there. Uh, but in terms of the finance department, the, the health care, and all of those departments that the mayor said have been working on this for a period of time, where is that conversation? Where is that included? And, and my final remark is um, how can we move? Uh, it's an either-or. I don't like those either-or because both of these are very, very critically important. So in voting for one, you are absolutely saying the other one is not important, and both of them are. Um, so I don't have a substitute motion, but I'm going to put it out there, is that we really do need to look at how can we bring both what my colleague uh, Estrick has put together and also what the mayor is saying and how can we come up with one solid resolution that will say yes we need more education yes we need more collaboration and yes we need to move forward if we can in effect save some dollar costs to the city and ultimately to our constituents and our employees because um, health care costs are out of the roof so um, that's my statement Thank you. Alderperson Eskridge. Thank you. Um, I would like to respond directly to Alder McKinney and say, sure. So if, if we are literally just talking about reviewing the current rates that are paid by Medicare in Dane County, why don't we add to my alternate to review current Dane County Medicare rates and then continue and trends affecting local health insurance costs? Considering the fact that Medicare rates contribute to costs locally, um, doesn't seem to me that that's outside the scope of looking at what affects local health insurance costs in our market. And um, if we are actually just asking what, what are Medicare rates and how does that affect our market, that doesn't seem to me to be outside the scope of looking at our local environment. Thank you. Further discussion on the motion, which is adoption of the alternate alderperson errands? Uh, just to, uh, again, try to clear up the record here, I was, um, I think that certainly the implication was, was that I uh, misconstrued this uh, initial resolution and I'm forced to read it out loud, where it says the, uh, the mayor will convene a study and and discussion process under the direction of the city attorney, the city finance director, and the human resource manager with assistance from outside research and legal expertise. That does not mean a study as to whether or not they shall, we shall get that assistance, but it is a study that will include outside research and legal expertise. And that again, is a very, very uh, big dollar um, issue should that come uh, into effect. Second, I want to respond to the uh, uh, remarks uh, that were uh, made about the uh, uh, submittal of the alternate or substitute resolution. Um, this would be new to me, and I think it's new to uh, many council members that that we vet um, uh, resolutions or substitutes and amendments with um, departmental staff. Um, uh, 
I've not heard of that. Um, I'm sure where there's plenty of lead time, that might be the case. But to uh, uh, raise that as somehow a red flag or that this, for some reason this uh, sub is improper because it wasn't vetted with A, B, C, and D, I think is um, is really uh not not substantive and it really creates a, a smokescreen rather than deal with the substance of the differences between these two proposals. Thank you. Mayor Seiglin, do you wish to speak again? Any member of this body knows. You look at your ordinances. If there was any expenditure of funds for lawyers or consultants it would have had to have been in the resolution, and it would require a two-thirds vote as a budget amendment. So it is false to say that there is substantial costs in involving any attorneys or any consultants. If we were going to spend the money, the appropriation would have been in the resolution. There is no intent to spend any money. There can't be. It would be a violation of the ordinances of this city. So don't read into it what is not there. Now maybe we will not get an appropriate, excuse me, we will not get any advice or suggestions from attorneys and from consultants because we don't pay them. But the intent was to ask them if they have any experience in which they can rely on and give us any advice on the matter. There is no appropriation for consultants in this matter. If there had been, and what is the ordinance is now required, 25,000? Or is it still 5,000? It's still 5,000. It would have had to have been in the resolution. Now, in terms of the substitute, if we're going to do it right, let's do it right. What's to be lost by asking the people who've been working on this on your behalf, on behalf of the taxpayers, to look at the resolution and give you their input based on their knowledge. I can't believe the arrogance of saying that these professional members of the city staff are irrelevant and not necessary in pursuing an endeavor of this magnitude. And to go back to the question that nobody has answered from Alderwoman McKinney, the way to do this right is to adopt the original resolution and take the foundation of the substitute refer it 
And Alderman McKinney, I didn't say public input. I said input from the staff, the Board of Health, and other relevant committees. And to get their recommendations as to what ought to be in the context, then we adopt it and we can move forward with the overall discussion of health care costs. In fact, on reflection now and thinking about it, I'd even submit the draft to the major health care providers and insurers in our community for any advice that they might have. I wouldn't give them control over it, but I'd ask them for their insights. Thank you. Alderperson Romo. Thank you. You know, I feel like this, there's been a line drawn that I don't really accept. I'm sorry, Mayor. Um, if you read the final, now therefore be it resolved in Alder Eskridge's um, alternate, it says appropriate city staff, all the people you mentioned, collaborate with local, I mean, maybe you could leave local out so it could be anybody, but whatever, local health policy experts to provide a briefing for the council mayor and all other interested parties, which should be everybody that you want to talk to. So I think we should take the recommendation that Alder Eskridge had is to insert some mention of local Medicare payment formulation, some phrase like that into the body to, and as a phrase after local health insurance costs. And this is a briefing. If, if after this briefing we learn that, oh, we could do, do more things and what they would be, I think then it's not like we've ended or we've like finalized it or we couldn't solve it. I think it's maybe a step that gets everybody like to support something that you, Mayor, would like to see accomplished. And so the practical part of me says, let's support this, and then we can come back as we do it to see where it leads us. Thank you. And so I would ask Alder Eskridge or someone to make the, the language that would add the sort of Medicare payment formulation on a local level that seems to be so important to the Mayor. Thank you. Alderperson Sheeks to be followed by Alderperson Eskridge. Uh, Alder Aaron's pointed out the um, unusual nature of suggesting that an alder needs to vet a resolution, especially one that literally is a briefing by city staff. Um, and, and Alder Eskridge was really, uh, I would say, gracious in choosing to ignore the anger um, that was directed towards her by not doing that. I take great exception at any um, indirect suggestion that um, my colleague's lady brain needs a suggestion from a bunch of people that have um, relevant expertise just as she has. Um, she's a professional uh, in healthcare. She um, is, this is an area of personal passion for her. This is something she got a, a degree in. This is, in fact, unlike probably everyone else in this entire room, something that she made very clear with her constituents was an area of passion um, that she was going to pursue. And so she was elected based on this expertise. So the suggestion that 
she is somehow out of line for taking it upon herself at any hour to put a, a resolution in front of us is um, uh, not only ridiculous but offensive. Um, uh, what this resolution calls for, as some of my colleagues have pointed out, isn't fundamentally um, opposed to the mayor's suggestion. What it calls for is a level of collaboration um, uh, uh, to, to understand better where we are and where we go from here. Um, Frankly, this type of work doesn't require a resolution at all. The mayor doesn't ask for resolutions when he um, has any other projects that are of personal passion for, for him. He doesn't ask for council's uh, stamp of approval when he is building relationships across the country, when he's traveling, when he's doing any of that type of work. As one of the um, uh, uh, most familiar faces across the nation as a mayor, I don't understand why, uh, why it requires anything other than a phone call to other mayors, to the National League of Cities, to say, there's an area of interest. Um, is anyone else interested in this? Can we maybe put a work group together at the National League of Cities to start to study this? That's a thing that they would certainly be responsive to. Um, uh, and so, you know, I, I appreciate Walter Eskridge's work in uh, uh, trying to come up with a collaborative uh, plan that is respectful of city staff, um, asks for collaboration not only with city staff but with local and national experts, um, and to provide a briefing to this council so that a lot of us can have a, a higher level of education as to how we can um, understand health care costs so that we can hopefully um, find a path forward that, that best serves our constituents. Thank you again, Alder Eskrich. Thank you. Alderperson Eskrich to be followed by Alderperson McKinney. Thank you, Alder Chief. Um, I guess stop me if I'm procedurally out of line, Attorney May. Um, I would like to move an amendment to my substitute um, to insert the line after two review. Current, I would like to add current Dane County Medicare payments. And I believe that that continues my constructive attempts to make this a beneficial resolution for our city, and I ask for your support. Is there a second to the motion to amend the alternate? And seconded by Alderperson Rummel. Thank you. Did you wish to speak further to the motion? Alderperson McKinney, did you wish to speak to this current amendment that's on the floor, or should we dispose of that first? You wish to speak to that? Okay, Alderperson McKinney. Yes, I'd like to speak to it, and thank you. That was going to be my ask, that if the maker of the substitute would be willing to amend in a, such a way that she did, and um, thank you very much for doing that. Um, and as a side comment, to, to say that um, um, I esteemed colleague was asked to prepare this response or this overview for us, and thank you very much for doing that. But, but yes, thank you for amending the, the, uh, the substitute motion. Thank you. Is there further discussion on the amendment to the alternate? Seeing none, and we'd ask the author to submit an amendment form, please, for the clerk uh, at some point tonight. So if there's no further discussion on that, those in favor of the amendment will say aye. 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 Opposed, no. The ayes have it. Motion carries. Further discussion on the motion to adopt the alternate resolution? 
Alderperson Campbell. Um, the addition of that language still doesn't really address the fundamental per difference in purposes uh, of the two. The first of which was to build um, a sort of layer of data and information to inform a lobbying effort on the part of the city. Uh, and while, again, I think the addition of that language will help the you know, add to the, the briefing and the larger study of our health care costs in this city. The purposes are different, and I think if we pass this um, alternate, that lobbying piece will be, that sort of, um, yeah, that lobbying piece will be lost. It's not in here. And um, I want to support both efforts, and since I can't vote for this and the original one, I, I'm still going to be voting against the alternate, um, but would vote for it if it came in a different form. Thank you. Further discussion on the alternate resolution as amended? Alderperson Gruber? I, I want to ask that... Uh, I can't remember. Did we move the original uh, resolution? Yes. So, yes, no. Okay, I heard both. No. So we're only taking up the alternate, and is there a mechanism for, uh, if the alternate fails, taking the other one up? Right. I'm sorry, did, did we address your, your question, your parliamentary inquiry, Alderperson Gruber? So if the alternate, if, if this is your question, if the alternate resolution as amended is adopted that would become the main motion then there's potential discussion uh, on, on, on that new main motion which would become the alternate language and you'd have the council would have to vote on the main motion the new main motion which would be the alternate or if the alternate is defeated then the original motion the resolution is authored by the mayor would be before us does that make sense? Okay, thank you. So further discussion on the motion, which is uh, adopting the alternate uh, as amended. Seeing none, those in favor will say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. No. Uh, okay, Alderperson Carter wishes to abstain on that vote. I believe the ayes have it, unless there's a request for a roll call vote. Was there a request for roll call? Seeing none, then the, the alternate as amended uh, is adopted and is now before us as the main motion. Discussion on the main motion, that being the alternate as amended. Alderperson Cheeks. I don't recall which one of my colleagues uh, expressed this concern, but um, I, I don't really understand why tonight's discussion became as contentious as it was. It's a perfectly valid uh, thing for us to be interested in as health care costs for our constituents. So um, uh, thank you to the mayor for bringing it forward. Thank you. Is there further discussion? Seeing none, every, do all understand the question? So the, the question before us now is the adoption of the alternate resolution as amended, that being the new main motion. Those in favor of that will say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. The ayes have it. Did you wish to abstain on? Well, so Alderperson Carter wishes to abstain as well as Alderpersons. Bidar and King, uh, no request for roll call vote. Motion carries. The alternate is adopted as amended. That takes us, I believe, to items for introduction from the floor. 
and uh, I personally had several that I think I'll impose on President Pro Tem Rommel perhaps to move. I believe Alderperson Bidar asked um, Alderperson Eskrich as well. First, I recognize Alderperson Clear for an introduction. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I move introduction of Legistar 43620, um, amending the Mass and General Ordinances to change the purpose of the City County Liaison Committee. It's sponsored by uh, Alder Balde, Carter, and myself. Referrals to CCOC and uh, City County Liaison with CCOC being lead. Is there a second? Second. It's moved and seconded to introduce and refer that item. Those in favor will say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. We would like to be recognized next for introductions. Items from the floor. Alderperson Fair. Thank you. I'd like to introduce legislative file 43622, authorizing the city treasurer to sign an MOU with the Board of Regents of Wisconsin Systems on behalf of UW-Madison Urban Canid Project for sharing the, sharing the city dog licensing data for a research study with referral to next meeting, July 21st, of the Common Council. Is there a second? Okay. Um, uh, Two-thirds vote is required by ordinance because this is, correct me if I'm wrong, all the person fair by title only. So um, those in favor of a motion will say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Uh, Alder Person Eskridge. Thank you. I'd like to introduce file number 34666, title Prohibiting the Use of Machine Translation for Official City of Madison Communications, including the city website. Sponsors are Alder Bedar Siloff, myself, Alder Carter, and Alder Zellers, um, with referrals to the CCOC, EOC, AAC, and DRC. Thank Is there you. any objections to the introdu introduction and referrals? Seeing none, so ordered. Thank you. Any other items for introduction? Alderman Revere. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I have uh, three items. Perhaps I'll try to introduce those all in one motion. So I move to uh, introduce and refer the following items. Uh, first, with referral to the Board of Estimates, a resolution authorizing the Mayor and City Clerk to enter into a contract on behalf of the City and Monona Terrace Community and Convention Center with Otis Elevator Company for elevator and escalator maintenance. Secondly, uh, referral to the Board of Estimates, a resolution authorizing the Mayor and City Clerk to extend a contract with AVA Civic Enterprises Incorporated for Project Director Services for the George Doyle Square Project. And lastly, a resolution by title only authorizing the acceptance of an idle industrial sites redevelopment grant from the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation and amending the Parks Division capital budget and referring that resolution to the Board of Estimates and the Board of Park Commissioners. Thank you. Is there any objection to the introduction referrals? If not, none. So ordered. Any other introductions for referral? Any other business before the Common Council? Any announcements? Alderman Revere. I move to adjourn. Zero second. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries.